The theft of intellectual property impacts the American economy to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars per year. Introducing the Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Carroll, International Chairman of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am with Mark Solomon. How you doing, Mark? You are really with me because we're actually in Chicago together. We're at the CC Rock Convention. So, uh, you know, it's been going great. Got to meet a lot of incredible investigators, sponsors, vendors. And uh, Mike, could you introduce our next guest? Sure. But you know what? We're at a great venue, right? At the College of DuPage. Yes. Very nice. They, they went all out for us at this conference. But yeah, you know, we have a lot of vendors here for the CC Rock Conference. We have over 500 attendees law enforcement, retail, bank investigators. So it's a great mix here for training and education. And part of the training and education is our vendors. Yeah. And we are with Angelo Mazza with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty Law Firm. And Mark, you're thinking, what's a law firm doing at the conference, the CC Rock Conference? And I know why, because we walked by the table and we saw those counterfeit goods on there. And I'm thinking maybe he's got something to do with intellectual property or something like that, maybe. Why don't we ask him? Absolutely, Angelo. Can you tell us a little bit about intellectual property fraud? Sure. Um, I've been involved in it now for close to 35 years. Always been working in the area of protecting intellectual property rights, the trademarks and copyrights that brands use uh, to promote their products, their content, which are lifeblood of the American economy, in fact. It's the ideas, the concepts that uh, drive forward innovation. And Angelo, you know, you bring up a a great point here is that, you know, a lot of times we think of of merchandise being stolen or or counterfeited, but it goes beyond that when you're running a business um, that, you know, the trademarks, uh, things that are uh, branding your company are stolen. And how significant of a problem is that? The theft of intellectual property impacts the American economy to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars per year. Wow. And that kind of theft takes various forms. Those forms can be outright copying of the product. It can be the stealing of ideas. It can be the pirating of copyrighted content. So whether it be a product, a movie, a song, there are ways on which the the counterfeiters will call them generally trade upon the good name and reputation of the brands for their own personal gain. They're not they're not Robin Hood. They're not making anybody rich except themselves. Yeah, Angel, I'm, when I'm I'm thinking of a product, like what would be the most popular as far as being counterfeited? I'm thinking like is it like purses or clothing? What do you see out there? You know, at our table that we have outside with the various products, it's everything. The counterfeiters are not selective. All they do is follow the trends. They know what is popular out there. They know that they can uh, basically look at what's a top seller right now. Oh, there's this brand of uh, flea and tick collar. There's this brand of purse. There is another brand of scarf. There is basically anything. Anything and everything that has a good name, a good reputation in the industry, 
that is known to be of quality is something that counterfeiters target day in and day out. I was having a conversation with one of the people who was visiting the booth, and um, he was talking about a brand that hasn't been popular in, in 20 years, and we we're talking about the fact that so many brands um, may come and go. You have your constants, but you have other brands that come and go in popularity, and that is what the counterfeiters are like. They, they know what comes and goes. They know when a child's toy is no longer popular, so now it's time to move on to something else. Can I ask you, these products that are counterfeited, is, is that something that happens where they're counterfeited, the operation maybe is here in the States, or is it something that starts overseas? So that's a, that's a really great question, because over time, the, the way in which the products are manufactured, assembled, has changed. Back in the bad old days, we used to see products being brought in blank, with the counterfeiters applying the trademarks here in the United States. Um, over time, it became cheaper to manufacture them abroad. So the bulk of goods that are seized coming into the United States come in from China and Hong Kong. That's the bulk of seizures. And then I think um, Turkey may be in third place and then other countries follow down the road. So most of the products currently are made overseas um, using cheap labor. And there are various ways that that's done. So it can be what's called that, that fourth shift at a factory where um, when all the normal employees have gone in, they bring in a crew who will um, sit there and manufacture goods using the same machinery, maybe a little bit cheaper quality product put into it, but they will, they will do that in a factory so that you create a, a, a good counterfeit. There are other times when the goods are made in places, and, and when we get into the topic of pharmaceutical products, because those are counterfeited, which impact public health and safety, they're made in people's garages sometimes, where the, the pill, which is normally uh, compounded and made in a particular way at a clean facility, is actually being made with a cement mixer and given color with, with road paint or other kind of toxic paints, which then these pills are ingested by people thinking that they have bought a cheaper version, or they may think they bought the actual product based on pricing and th that it's going to make them healthier. I was thinking about the next question, Angela, and I was going to bring up, a, you know, we talked about the financial loss to the economy with this uh, intellectual property theft, but there could be physical health issues related by uh, consumers buying these products. You know, I'm just thinking of toys and a child, uh, something that, you know, uh, the real company made, you know, to make sure it was safe. And then all of a sudden they buy a knockoff toy that could be a choking hazard, has, like you said, paints or made with material that's not safe for children to be around. You make a very good point. The fact is that the counterfeiters are never looking to recreate the actual product. They want to make a product that looks like it, but doesn't cost as much that's not going to have the quality. So what do you do? You cut back on the safety aspects. So if they're making a toy, well, it, lead paint is as good as any paint. We don't need to make it safe. Pharmaceutical products, we don't really have to have any active ingredients. It just has to look like the real thing. Um, during the COVID pandemic, counterfeit masks, counterfeit cures, all sorts of different products that impact public health and safety. And I think that's what really the public 
has to focus on is that the counterfeiters are not concerned about public health and safety. And it's so you say, oh, I just got a T-shirt. Yeah, but you know, what kind of dyes were put into that T-shirt? Where was that T-shirt made? What went through to get that product to the U.S.? These are all layers of the counterfeit problem, which we could discuss uh, for hours. And I know we don't have hours. I, know, I hope, well, do you? We do. Oh, with you, we would. Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Angela, does this go as far as medications? I mean, can they be uh, counterfeited, you know, or vitamins or supplements, you know, where people are ingesting stuff they don't even know what it is? Yes, that's the short answer. Yeah. Um, I was just speaking to one of my colleagues outside earlier today, and she was describing back years ago ordering from a, a popular online platform. She ordered some sort of skin serum. And when she got it, it was empty. It was just a vial with nothing in it. Well, at least she saved herself from that. But there have been cases, I was speaking to one of the attendees, and he was talking about ordering again from that same popular platform. And the, the, it came out that the stuff that they order, it doesn't seem to last, doesn't seem to go as far. And these were supplements that they were ordering. The best bet is you have to go to a, a reputable retailer. It is very tough online to be certain of what you are getting because the famous New York cartoon, you know, on the internet, nobody knows I'm a dog. On the internet, nobody knows who's a counterfeiter or not. You know, Angela, the IFCI presents to protect us. We try to educate not only our members, but the public. So I got to ask you a question for our listeners. How could you tell a difference or any advice for our listeners to tell a difference between an original product and a counterfeit product? Well, you guys are just full of great questions today. Wow. Thank you. It's usually me, but no, Mike, on, me, Mike is uh, showing off today. He's uh, actually uh, been really good. Let me pat myself on the back. Hold on. <laughs> I maybe have to reach over and help you, but it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, when we, when we think about how the American consumer has evolved over time, if you said to someone, let's call it 20 years ago, oh, you're going to go buy something online. It's like, oh, I got to be careful. You know, I got to be this. They're going to steal this. They're going to do that. Yet at the same time now, that same person, oh, yeah, let me go online and order from such and such. Let me, let me just look first online. There, the fear that something bad will happen has gone away. So in doing the course of my work, I deal with people that we notify that Customs has seized their goods coming into the U.S. And they tell me where they ordered, and oh, I saw this, this um, ad popped up on my uh, Facebook page. And I say, well, you know, those ads, they, they pop up, and then they go away, and there's nobody behind them. Ah, I thought I was ordering from the U.S. I didn't know it was coming in from China. Well, what happens is, really take a look at when you're going to be ordering something, especially when we're talking about ingestibles, anything that's going to come in contact with your body, any electronics item, well, basically, let's call it everything you, you, you want to order. Be careful. When you go to a website, make sure the site is reputable, that it is an authorized retailer for that product. If you're going on a, a big site, make sure it, it is an authorized or official store within a site. Take a look at the seller. Look at where the seller is. Is it the particular platform? Is it a seller that has a store on the platform? And where are they located? Sometimes it's hard to discern. Other times just by the grammar 
and punctuation within the product descriptions, there are issues. Um, there are some new laws out there now which seek to protect consumers where the bigger sellers on platforms do have to uh, disclose identity, the, the platforms have to collect it from them and make it available so that people are making an informed decision about where they are ordering. And if you go from an online to an offline world, then it's, again, you know, no, no one is going to sell luxury goods out of a small kiosk in uh, a shopping mall. No one is going to sell them out of a double-wide trailer in the middle of nowhere, Texas. These are all indications that you are looking at uh, something that is outside the normal channels. Think about what you're buying and where would it be. And if where you're standing, which is a storage location in the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts, and it's a store that seems to have everything inside once the gate goes up, well, I think that's a good indication. You're probably not in an official store. Mm. Angela, I want to back up for a minute. You mentioned about uh, in other countries and this fourth shift and forced labor. And, and it strikes a chord with me because people that will purchase uh, this stuff, this um, knockoff stuff, could technically be contributing to human trafficking when it comes to forced labor. And, you know, it just makes me think like, you know, I know everybody wants a particular brand or something, maybe they can't afford it and they go and buy a knockoff, but that money could be going towards very nefarious things to further this labor trafficking. That's true, and it's not just labor trafficking. Mm -hmm. Uh, with U.S. Customs, they have a strong program in place to try to intercept the goods that are that are made in China, um, which are made in the Uyghur region, where there's a lot of, unfortunately, labor camps where mm. these goods are produced. So they do try to stop them. People have to realize that um, buying counterfeits is not without effect. So one of the things over time that has come out is the people who have uh, sent money back to countries involved in terrorism and into terrorist organizations. This is all part of an underground economy, and it, it's underground for a reason, because it's not legitimate. The profits are, that are derived are not um, put in banks. They're simply shifted outside the U.S. where they can remote other illegal activities. So, yes, I know people want to buy the latest style, the latest handbag. However, there really has to be more of a conscious effort to think about what goes on behind uh, the production of those goods, how they're shipped in, how they're smuggled in, how they oftentimes try to avoid duties that legitimate products pay. So as an example, I remember this when I first started out, there was a uh, shipment of counterfeit sneakers that tried to evade detection. They were... Um, manifested as dried noodles, which I'm assuming means the shoelaces were a little tough. But, <laughs> you know, this is the type of thing. You, 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 you have people who evade. And, and one thing I, I do want to mention, and this was back when there were containers, the story I just mentioned. Nowadays, it's counterfeiters using FedEx, UPS, and the mail service to get in these products. You know, they have these small consignment shipments 
uh, de minimis value under $800, and those um, items come in to a postal facility. And let me tell you, I, I've been to a few of these, and the folks there, the, the CBP folks, Customs and Border Protection, are overwhelmed with the volume, and they really have to be good at their targeting at stopping the good, identifying where they're coming from, kind of, well, this one is suspect, this one should be okay, working that out. Um, and it's, it's not an easy job to try to control the product coming in. That's even with a highly trained workforce that's dedicated to blocking the, the importation of not just the counterfeits, but of the harmful goods that mm. might come in. Yeah, Andrew, you're right. Our agency that I work for, the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, they work with other agencies like Customs at various airports, watching what's coming in from overseas, trying to identify these counterfeit products too. Hey, can I ask you, like, say you come across an investigation involving counterfeit goods, do you notify the original owner of those goods, and do you present cases like to law enforcement for prosecution? Wow, another great question. Um, so we, on behalf of our clients, try to um, address this problem in different ways. So on an importation issue, we always will send a cease and desist letter to try to make the person aware. It's more of an information letter, to try to make them aware of what they've done. Because we receive notification from customs when the seizure has perfected and the goods have been taken out of circulation. And then what we try to do, too, we're always combing and looking for individuals who are more than just a one-off importer of a counterfeit T-shirt or a handbag or, or a watch or something like that. So we look for folks who are repeat offenders with quantities. We look for um, people who are selling on some of the social media uh, platforms. And when they do reach the bulk that uh, we feel is enough to signify, we then begin looking at them a little bit more closely with our private investigators on a regular basis to um, find these people, to bring them to the attention of, of law enforcement, and hopefully reduce the impact of the sales that they make within their communities or through these platforms where they have a wider audience for product. Mm. Angela, I saw a news article the other day where, um, I don't want to name the company, but they had used a celebrity to endorse a product. And then a deep fake video was created where um, that person appeared to be discrediting or um, calling out that company. How much is artificial intelligence going to be involved or already involved in intellectual uh, property theft? That is, I would say, an evolving issue. Um, unfortunately, I think the, the true impact it will have on the manufacturing, the detection, is still something that um, is really an unknown. Some people have ventured, well, it can, it can be used to create perfect fakes in the, in the physical world, taking in all the information, and then the other side as well. If we can train it to detect the perfect fakes, so, you know, do we fight to a standstill? I don't think the, the jury is in on that one yet. I think that one is still um, a little bit up in the air and may be evolving for a few years. Okay. Angela, uh, one last question. If somebody orders something online, let's say, or they purchase something that turns out to be counterfeit, so for our listeners, what should they do? Should they, should they make a police report if they order something from Facebook? 
Should they notify them that the item they purchased, they learned it was counterfeit? You know, we have the saying with the Postal Service, everybody uses the same saying, but if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is kind of like buyer beware. So do you recommend that they make a police report if they know they bought something that was counterfeit or just it happens, you know, just got to live with it or... Are you talking to the people that come up to our table to look at the goods and the stories they're giving well, me? <laughs> Let me because, go over and turn the microphone off because I, was, I put one up by your table. Um, okay, a couple of things. If you are the victim of fraud or a crime, you should file a police report. Whether that police department has the resources or the capability to address the harm that you've suffered is another issue. When I'm speaking to these people who have uh, purchased items that they did not receive from an online seller through the ads or through a site, the one thing I check with them first off is, did you pay by debit or credit card? And I tell them, look, if it's debit, it's gone. If it's credit, the fact you received our letter, the fact you got a notice from customs, there's fraud. They will refund your purchase. So I'm not here to, you know, run through with people like, ah, you shouldn't have that. No, look, I understand these mistakes can happen. You know, you fall for the, it's too good to be true, but I'm going to believe it anyway. But there is a way. So ask for your money back through your credit card company and, and use a credit card because you have more protections than simply writing a check or, or using a debit card. And Angelo, for our audience too, it, it sounds obviously your firm is very involved in these types of investigations uh, and probably civil and criminal actions. Would you share with your audience how uh, they can get a hold of your firm if they need assistance in this area? Yes. In fact, it's so funny because we, we do push for the criminal stuff, but we do have a, a team of litigators that go after uh, companies, platforms, sellers who are involved in marketing and, and selling these products. So if you need to get a hold of us, you can go to Gibney, G-I-B-N-E-Y dot com, and you can find me on the site, and you can take a look at our firm, and you can also reach me via email at A-E-P-M-A-Z-Z-A at Gibney dot com. Angelo, before we let you go, I just got to ask you this question. Do you have one uh, piece of advice we could give to our listeners? I would think with so many counterfeit goods out there uh, that people can run into at various times, maybe the best thing would be to know your seller. Know who you're buying from, whether it be online or in person. Know whether they stand behind the product and where you can get them in case there's a problem. Okay. Thank you. Angelo, I'll tell you, this has been a very enlightening uh, episode for me with intellectual property and to have an expert uh, on the podcast with us today. Like I said, I know our audience is going to love it too. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't believe it this morning, but yeah, no, this was fun. Thank you. And this, you're, you're back to your roots, right? You're back on the mic. Uh, my, my understanding you is you had a very successful career. I, I, uh, yes, I, I, w I was the host of an Italian language radio program back in New York from the late 80s through the mid 90s. It's been a while. Yeah, you know, I'm going to run this by our producer, the Angelo and Mike show. No, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait, Angelo. If Mike you, and Angelo. Michelangelo. Mike, Michael, oh, Michael, oh, Michelangelo. Like Bingo. All right, Angelo, if you had to pick, Michael, uh, who, get who's coffee. the better co host? Uh, 
the producer. No, there yeah, you go. That's that's right. That is the truth, yeah. man. He makes us look good, I'll tell you. But uh, like I said, it was really great to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing Thank your you. expertise. And uh, we'll have your contact information for your firm uh, on the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. All right, Mike. So, hey, man, that was great. Intellectual property theft, like I said, people don't realize hundreds of billions of dollars being lost uh, here uh, in our economy. And that was just a really great podcast. I learned a lot. Yeah, you know, I forgot to ask him because you got the table here with all those counterfeit goods. I was wondering if they were for sale, if you can't tell the difference between a counterfeit. You know, my daughter's birthday's coming up. I would no. get a nice Gucci purse. Over there. Don't do no. it. I, and, and like I said, I already got the Louis Vuitton bag for my wife and daughter. So, you know, um, but Mike, I, I have to give you credit here because uh, uh, when I heard it was about intellectual property, I, I didn't think you had any, but you really, you shined <laughs> on, on those uh, questions. I'll tell you. I did my homework. You did. You did. Speaking of shining, no really shines. It's our listeners and our subscribers to the podcast. They're, they're the ones that make this an awesome podcast. And, uh, this was a, another example of a great guest that came on that uh, I hope our listeners learn from it. Yeah, and you know, we always are trying to find new avenues to educate our subscribers and listeners. So this was another great episode, and we're so fortunate to have a subject matter expert here today at the CC Rock Convention. So if they want to listen to the podcast, yep. it's easy. Yep. They just go on Spotify or Stitcher yep. or Apple or wherever you go to listen to podcasts. Yeah, we're there. We're there. We're, we're not there. going anywhere. Exactly. We're going to be around for a while. We've got time. a lot of great speakers in the future coming on, too. Absolutely. The lineup is looking great. And, Mark, i got to ask you, say our listeners got a great topic. Yep. Or they know someone who's a victim of, of some type of scam or fraud, and they want to come on the show. Where, where would they go? Oh, they're going to send us an email to our email address. It is IAFCI Protectors Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, comments about the podcast. So, Mark, coming from uh, beautiful Glen Ellen, Illinois, at the College of DePage, I am Mike Carroll from Chicago. And I'm Mark Solomon, and I'm not signing off from Connecticut because I'm here at the CC Rock Convention in Illinois. Everybody, have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.